What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome another episode of the DTF podcast, the Dawson T.O. and Phantom podcast. It is Monday morning, March 28th. Guys, we only have two of these left. We have eight days left in the college basketball season, and the final four is set. John Phantom, Terrence Ogles will be here with me. Uh, Phantom, I'm going to go to you first on this one, man. Give me your, you, you were in multiple sites over the weekend. You were a traveling man. What, what was your biggest takeaway from, uh, from the second weekend of the NCAA tournament? Wow, that's a, a terrific question. I, I'll tell you, first and foremost, is that Kansas has really improved on the defensive end of the floor. Watching them in person, I took that away immediately. And it's what won them the game against Providence. It's what won them the game against Miami because the Jayhawks kicked it up a notch on that end in the second half to beat the Hurricanes. But watching Kansas defend and actually getting to watch Remy Martin in person really emphasizes the fact that he changes Kansas's ceiling and makes them a team that could win the national championship next Monday night. So that was my biggest takeaway of the weekend. I was in Philadelphia with you on Sunday and I didn't get blown away with any major takeaway on, on that game. We say kudos to the Cinderella of this tournament, St. Peter's, but we also acknowledge the fact that the final four is going to be awesome with a capital A in honor of Dick Vitale. Yeah, we got we got all four blue bloods there. North Carolina and Duke are playing. Uh, we have Kansas and Villanova playing. And I'll, I'll say it, Villanova is a blue blood. I know that it's been a little bit of a topic of uh, discussion, and it's probably the most meaningless discussion that we'll have over the course of this entire week. But Villanova... Uh, when you win, they have, they've won three titles over the course of 37 seasons, uh, 30 years apart, but whatever. Look, they're, I'll, I'll, I feel very comfortable calling them a blue blood. Tio, what was your, your biggest – before we talk about each of these specific reasons, what was your biggest overarching takeaway from, uh, from, from the last week? Uh, a couple of things, kind of regarding what Fanta says. I, I feel like I've said this a lot over the course of the season, but you got to find ways to win ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kansas showed the ability to win ugly during uh, what not just not the Miami game, the game before, because we've watched so many games now. I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, who can't Providence whenever they couldn't get a bucket? Ochai Abaji couldn't get going. He was two of 10 from the field. They had to find ways to win ugly. And Remy Martin has become that guy that they needed off the bench to where when your offense stagnates and it's stagnated to a, to the nth degree. Like, you got to have that guy that can flip a game on its head. Remy Martin is that guy. It seems like every great team has that one plug-and-play guy off the bench that can kind of get things going. If he doesn't hit shots, he at least ramps the energy up. Uh, that was encouraging if you're a Kansas fan, certainly. Uh, the other thing is, guys, how impressive was Duke? Like, mm-hmm. against Texas Tech, they don't miss a field goal for the last nine and a half minutes of the ballgame. Against the number one defense in America. They didn't miss a field goal for the last nine and a half minutes of the ball. Almost a quarter of that ball game. They didn't miss a field goal in a row in a row, like against the best defense in college basketball. And look, let's, let's start there. Let's start in the West. Uh, Gonzaga knocks off um, Texas tech and then knocks off Arkansas who put an end to Gonzaga season. Um, I I just, at this point, T.O. Duke has got to be the favorite to win the national title, right? In my mind. And my, I don't know who guards them. I mean, I understand. I'm so intrigued by this Carolina Duke thing. And I've never really been intrigued by that rivalry, mostly just out of pure jealousy, being from being from a school a little further south. But this one's going to be fun because you got to think about 
you know, I, I'm kind of not into the big old handshake thing, like all this, that, and the other, like, I, I don't really care that much about that stuff, but just because it happened so recently now I kind of care about it. And then uh, coach K losing the pressure, in my opinion, guys, this might be a crazy take. The pressure's in the final four is not as big as it was in coach K's last game at Cameron. I feel like the pressure in that game against Cameron with all those players with Jerry Seinfeld. And I, I don't know. Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld and was it Barack Obama? Was he there? <laughs> like all these unbelievable people were at this game and Duke, they struggled and they, they were embarrassed and they want Carolina again. They wanted them in the ACC championship game. They didn't get them. Now they get them in the final four and one final shut up for either team. It is going to be electric. I'm so excited about going. There is so much history between the two programs. I think they're divided by, I don't know how many wins and how many points. It's like such a minor thing. They're 13 miles. And and I think in their, in their rivalry, it's, it's something like it's 10 points difference. It's like one win and 10 points difference that they've scored over the course of the last hundred years. Yeah. Which is insane. And it's, it's all that stuff. It's all that stuff. RJ Davis and Jeremy Roach coming on as two of the best point guards in the country. Dude, next season, those are going to be two top five point guards in college basketball. And -hmm. now we're getting a preview for it at their peak of this season. It's, there's so much good about this game to watch and I hope everything goes smoothly, but I, I don't see how in the world Carolina keeps up with this Duke team that's playing this well right now. Yeah. What was your, what was your takeaway from watching that region, Fanta? Well, it's that Duke played so well on the offensive end of the floor late in games. I'm curious to see if they actually replicate slash duplicate it in new Orleans. That's, mm-hmm. that's my twist on this is that they look so good down the stretch. I don't know how much better they could have even looked in those games because yeah. they closed perfectly perfectly i'm just so impressed by the way these kids have grown up over the last couple of weeks by by the steps they've taken by the way that they finished by the balance duke's unselfishness has elevated here yeah and and there's something about this group it takes the dna of a team to be able to come together under these very strange circumstances not often are you an 18 to 22 year old kid and you're playing in somebody's final season. You're seeing these guys are in the locker room. There's TVs in there. There's mm-hmm. they've, they've got a clue. They see how many times we've we seen Coach K walk in with his wife over the last two weeks. The camera shots are, are something on the last dance. Mm-hmm. And I just am so impressed by the maturation of guys. I'm so impressed by Paolo Bancaro and the way that, that he is going about things in this tournament. I think that he's picking his spots more correctly. I think he's hitting more perimeter shots and, and he only hit one three against Arkansas, but, and he only shot four for 11, but I just like the way that he has settled in. And and I think Roach has done a terrific job, but you know what my biggest takeaway from the weekend was Rob Doster for Duke. Mark Williams is a man. Yes. Mm -hmm. He totally dictated the way that the Arkansas game went. He owned the paint. And guess who owned the paint on Sunday in Philadelphia? Armando Baycott. So out of all the things I'm intrigued to see, it's who's going to own that matchup. Because these two teams got a lot of great guard play going on. And we mm-hmm. could talk about what makes them tick and, and that Duke has a slight edge there. But... The physicality on the interior of this game and the way the game gets called will be very interesting to watch play out when these two teams meet because Mark Williams is relentless and Armando Baycott was in beast mode yesterday. So I'm really intrigued to see how that all plays out because amongst everything Duke's doing offensively and finding themselves in creating balance, one thing's for certain. In the NCAA tournament, you got to have a toughness that's even different from the regular yes. season. Yep. And Mark Williams has given them a toughness. He is that dude. Length yeah. versus strength. Length yeah. versus strength. Yeah, 100%. And, and look, you guys kind of nailed it. It's, it's Jeremy Roach. It's the fact that um, Duke has been playing with a little bit of more confidence. Like, I, I think that they grew up 
between the loss to uh, the loss to Virginia Tech and the loss to North Carolina, and then getting down against Michigan State and coming back and winning that game, right? Getting punched in the mouth by Texas Tech and coming back and winning that game the way they did down the stretch. It feels like they figured, like it, it's clicked. We, we've been waiting all season long for it to click. Um, one of the biggest things for me, though, is if it feels like Coach K has really kind of embraced this idea that, uh, look, if I just give the ball to Paolo about 18 feet away from the basket and get everybody the hell out of the way, no one can stop him. You know, just give him mid-post isolations and let him work. I love Brady Manick. I think Brady Manick, we'll talk about this in a little bit. I think Brady Manick is the reason why North Carolina was able to turn things around uh, in January when they did. Um, Brady Manick going one-on-one against Paolo Bancaro is not something that I think is going to work out all that well for North Carolina long-term. Um, and it feels like Coach K has kind of embraced this idea where sometimes just give the ball to your best player, get the hell out of the way, and let him. Uh, That's what he's been coach. doing for ten years, Doster. <laughs> he wasn't when they lost to when they lost to North Carolina. That's not that's not what they were running. When they lost to Virginia Tech, that's not what was happening. And yeah. down down the stretch, some of these games they let him work. And and look to to uh, to Jeremy Roach's credit. Um, he was the one that made the plays against Michigan State. He was the one that made the couple of big baskets against, uh, Man, he's against been good. Texas Tech. Yeah, he's been. Uh, can I say something? Re- I, I, I've got to, I have to clarify this on the podcast, okay? So yesterday, uh, Rob, you were there, so you know exactly what it looked like. Uh, and, and Terrence, I'm sure you were watching, but I'm just saying this based on being in the building. Yesterday, it was early, and Carolina was up five on on St. Peter's mm-hmm. and St. Peter's St. Peter's was actually settling in a little bit like eight minutes into the game yeah and uh and Brady Manick hits a 35 footer as the shot clock expires and they go up by eight all right and and obviously the Carolina team account has been poking fun at this so in that moment I just tweeted it to be sar- totally sarcastic I'm like yeah Brady Manick is Larry Bird <laughs> and he kind of looked the face yeah so there's been comparisons guys i have never received so much hatred for a tweet from america and I <laughs> people are people were so mad you you guys know this like this time of year you get some of the casuals who don't understand some of the satire folks i'm sorry for sending that out there but golly calm down no i don't think he's larry bird however before we talk about the mismatch of this week, like Brady Manick has been a huge reason why North Carolina is here. He has made yep. some big time shots for that team. He has stepped up in his role and he provides this calming presence, in my opinion, that has allowed uh, Carolina to succeed. So for the record, I don't think Brady Manick is Larry Bird. However, he might be able to be his son based on his facial features. But, uh, but Brady Manick, kudos to you. Look, I don't know what – it could be a mismatch here, and you're right, Rob. That said, we'll give Brady his flowers today because this guy transferred from Oklahoma, and on this NCAA tournament run, he's been nails from the perimeter. Yeah, and, and look, the, the biggest thing with him, and I, I will, we might as well just pivot over to the East region now, is, is that um, Brady's – I think when, when North Carolina kind of made the switch, right? Like they've, they've been really good since about mid January. They won 16 of their last 19 games. They won something like nine of their last 11 in ACC play. They turned it around uh, early on in league play. Just no, none of us paid attention to it because we all thought the ACC was terrible. Um, and I think the, did. one of the, a lot of people <laughs> did. I think you, I think you did as well, T.O. You can, you can deny it all you want. <laughs> you can deny it all you want. Um, no, but in all, in all seriousness, when, uh, when Daw- Dawson Garcia left the team, right. And Brady Manick was able to step into the starting lineup. I think that he was able to feel a little bit more ownership of this group, right? When you're, when you're a new guy and you're transferring in and you're coming off the bench and you're an Oklahoma kid, that is in North Carolina for the first time, when you go from playing for a football school to like the basketball school, right? It's kind of hard to be the sixth man that's playing 15 to 18 minutes a night and, and have the kind of voice that you need to be a leader. And I think what North Carolina was lacking was leadership. And then Brady man accepts into the starting line of when Dawson Garcia has to leave to go take care of his family. Um, and, I think he took a little bit more ownership over what this team was and an ownership over the leadership role within that locker room, because let's call it what it was. This team was lacking that kind of leadership, tough voice that basically said, Hey, look, 
you know, we, we there's a reason why they were losing by 30 to Kentucky and losing by 20 to Purdue and getting smacked around by Tennessee. Um, it's because they, they didn't have someone in there to be like, no, this shit is not happening. You know, we give up a 10 run. We stop it right now that we're turning this around. And I think that he's been that voice and that presence. And I think Tio, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that is what turned North Carolina from being a team that was talented, but disappointing into being one that is heading to a final four and playing like a top eight team in America. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm sure that had something to do. It's kind of hard to speak on considering we're not in the locker room. So is mm-hmm. Brady man, have they said that Brady Manic has kind of been that guy? Uh, it's just I don't from what, well, and yeah. the conversations that I had with people in, uh, in, in, in Philly this weekend, that's kind of the, the vibe that I got. Okay. Well, good. I mean, that was needed. I think another key point to why Brady Manic has been good has been the emergence of RJ Davis mm-hmm. because it, Caleb love has, he is what he is. I, I, I'll tell you what, the, the Sweet 16 game and the Elite Eight game told you everything that Caleb Love is. Like, what do you go off? Like, for a great game against, uh, gosh, guys, so many games. Help me out. So we're Sweet 16 games, Sweet Taylor. Lord. Against who? No, well, it was UCLA. Against yeah. UCLA. 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 You saw what he could do against UCLA where he goes off for an asinine amount of points. And then he turns around and he pitches a six for 20 or something like that against St. Peter's. Like that is what Caleb Love is. The constant is when RJ Davis just has the ball in his hands more because then you're taking away probably four of those bad Caleb Love shots that happen a game. And they do happen. He takes some atrocious ones. Uh, I think the emergence of R.J. Davis has just been awesome. Him coming off pick and rolls, finding Brady Manick, and Brady Manick's perfect for Armando Baycott. A little bit like Horkler was for Watson this year, if you look at Providence, kind of like that perfect 4-5 combination. One guy spaces it, the other guy pounds it down low. Like It's, it's, a, it's a perfect marriage between those two. And I worried coming into the season, like you're giving up offensive rebound to get some three-point shooting, and it's worked because Brady Manick has knocked down shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob, I mean, what about uh, what, what I, I just had a thought here. So they played Puff Johnson eleven minutes, they, and they didn't they didn't play anybody else in this game. I mean, he he left the starters in almost the whole way. Yeah, he's done and, that this year. Like he switched to that. That's another big part of it too. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Any thoughts on that in general? And obviously, right now, defending Duke is is hard. I mean, it's it's hard. It's for those five Duke. guys. Duke plays six guys, right? Duke basically brings Trevor Keels off the bench, and that's it. Um, Villanova, Villanova, when they had Justin more healthy, was basically playing six guys. And I, I don't know if they're going to play more than five. With Jordan Longino is out. Um, Justin Moore obviously is out. Brian Antoine, is he going to be the guy coming off the bench? So there's not a lot of depth on a lot of these teams. But I, I think that depth is a little bit overrated. When you get yeah. to this point in the tournament, you want you want a good, solid seven man rotation is the ideal seven guys yeah. that you can all play uh, 25 to 35 minutes per game. Seven guys where you know exactly what they're going to get out of them. Get a, someone off the bench that will give you a little bit of a different look in the front court. Someone off the bench that will give you a little bit of a different look in the back court and ways Duke. where you can play bigger or smaller based off of the matchup that you're going up against. That's what you want. And, and yep. we're kind of seeing that a little bit here. Um, so I'm yep. the only thing I'm worried about, and, and this goes for all three of those teams, is you're one sprained ankle away from being fucked, right? Yeah, yep. that, no question. That's, that's what it is. And it, I don't, I'm not even really worried all that much about foul trouble. It's just oh. one one rolled ankle, one, one freaky jammed finger, and uh, everything kind of goes to hell. So we have Duke, North Carolina. Duke, Duke has those guys. Duke has those guys. I mean, Trevor Keels, Theo John gives you that different look that you talked about. Duke, Duke, mm-hmm. has, Duke has strong seven. You have a strong seven and Joey Baker, maybe like a strong seven. You're in good shape. Yeah, they're the one that's built, um, I think, the best to uh, to cut down the nets. And we'll get I to agree. that in a second. I, I want to talk about the other side of the bracket before uh, we keep it going. Let's start with the Villanova um, conversation there. They uh, they beat Michigan um, in, in pretty impressive fashion. They do it while just allowing Jermaine Samuels to completely eat up Hunter Dickinson, I thought that he was uh, exceptional on both sides of the ball. Uh, and then they get past Houston in a battle of what I think you could say is maybe the two best cultures in college basketball right now. Um, and they get to the final four. Fanta, uh, I, I would argue, I, I've made this point before, this team reminds me so much of the 2016 team. They got smacked around early in the season. We all kind of wrote them off, and they just figure it out with a bunch of guys that you don't really think are going to be pros but are probably going to end up playing uh, – 
a long time professionally, whether it's in the United States or whether it's overseas. Uh, what, what, what's your what's your take on this Villanova team uh, first and foremost, and then you know how do they how do they move forward without Justin Moore? This is Jay Wright's best coaching job because this Villanova team brought in a a loaded freshman class on paper. Jay Wright said in October that depth was going to have to be important by virtue of, in his mind, not having enough scoring options in his starting five. Mm -hmm. That's gone by the wayside, the idea of depth. The player development of Villanova has been on display with this team. The steps that Eric Dixon, that Brandon Slater have taken to get better. The way that Jermaine Samuels has played his best basketball in this tournament, you can sense that this is why he came back to Villanova for a fifth year. The unfinished business has been on display by this Wildcats team. And the reason why this is Jay's best coaching job is he has changed the way that they play this year to best fit his personnel. Villanova is typically attentive to detail. They have thrown back in time stylistically and gone to the 1980s in the way that they walk the ball off the floor and are so detailed. If they turn the ball over, it's a dead ball turnover, and they, yes. just, they just toss the ball in the official, and the official bounces and hands it to the other team. And I thought that was frustrating for Houston on Saturday. It is a great case of doing what you need to do to win. It's not pretty. It's not sexy. The Villanova-Houston game was none of those things. But the physical toughness of this team, and props to John Shackleton, their strength and conditioning coach, because he continues to do an amazing job. Villanova might be undersized, but that doesn't mean they can't guard the post. And that's what we saw from them this past weekend. They are physical. They make you work for everything you get. And it's for that reason, the way that they play team defense, it's for that reason that they still have an opportunity here this weekend and still have a chance. How do they play without Justin Moore? It will be hard. But Caleb Daniels can step in. It's a homecoming to New Orleans. And they're going to have to get something out of the combination, one of the two, Brian Antoine or Chris Archidiacono. But this starting five is going to have to go the distance. They basically have with Daniels coming off the bench. It's a brutal loss because Moore gives them a scoring punch. Moore gives them that guy that sometimes can give them an 8-0 run by himself. So it will be tough. They're going to have to keep throwing it back in time. Jay Wright might have to channel Roley Massimino 1985 if if they're going to find a way to win a title. But There's, they have best point guard left, and they are incredible defensively right now. Yeah, there are, there are two things, Tio, that really make me concerned about this Villanova matchup with uh, with Kansas. One, uh, the Justin Moore is the scoring pop, right? He's the guy yeah. where you can kind of say, okay, you we we need a bucket right now. Go make something happen out of nothing. Gillespie, a lot of what he gets out, it comes out of what they run, right? He's less of a clear it out, give him the rock and let him go do something, guy. That That's kind of what Justin's more, Justin Moore's role on the team was. And two, you can't go to that lineup where you have Gillespie, Moore, Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater, and Jermaine Samuels. And to me, that was the one that worked so well against Michigan because Jermaine Samuels and, to a point, Brandon Slater, some of those other guys are just so sturdy and strong that they're not going to get backed down by David yeah, McCormick. And that forced again we saw it against hunter dickinson that forced hunter to have to go out on the perimeter and guard jermaine samuels and that's why he finished with 22 points that's why he was able to go off the way that he was because hunter dickinson just couldn't guard him and villanova won that mismatch mm-hmm. i i think correct me if i'm wrong it could be an issue with mccormick sorry yeah well no i'm and now now you have to play eric dixon because how are you gonna are you gonna trust chris archidiacono in that spot i don't know if he's gonna be the guy that you want out there brian antoine look I love him. I want the best to happen for him. I don't think that he's quite ready for that yet. So uh, it's uh, to me, that is the biggest concern that I have is Villanova. Like, I'm not really worried about McCormick. I'm worried about whether or not Villanova is able to take advantage of that mismatch the way that they would have in another uh, with, with Justin more healthy. Does this not have all the makings of like, we're down a guy 
we're going to rally yeah. together. Like, like it, it just, that was such a big piece. And have you guys heard of the Ewing effect? The Ewing theory. Yeah. Yeah. Ewing effect. Yeah. Ewing theory. I'll let you take that one. Cause you're smarter than me, but like, Oh no, the it's, best it's, player it's, goes down. Yeah. And you get better when you lose your best player because they, the, I think the Knicks lost Patrick Ewing in some playoff and they made it to like the finals or something like that. This yeah. Is, and then ten- this and is then Tennessee, Bill Simmons, Tennessee, the, the Bill Simmons yeah. finest. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then T T Martin starts at quarterback for university of Tennessee after four years of Peyton Manning and they win the national championship. Like, I'm not saying he's their best player because I think Colin Gillespie is their best college player. I think he's their most talented player and he's going to be missed. Uh, It's just, it just has all the makings of a Villanova Jay Wright. Hey guys, nobody thinks this is going to happen. We're going to make it work. Archie Diakono is going to hit three threes out of nowhere. And then Villanova is going to keep it close and then potentially win then run out of gas in the next game. Yeah. Here's the thing about that. I think that they've earned enough, respect nationally at this point and if you don't respect them nationally frankly you're a clown uh but but they've earned enough respect to get to the point where i don't think they're walking in the building on saturday they might be telling themselves this psychologically that's right but we're not we're not saying that they don't have have a shot because we know the way that they play it's difficult to play against Mm -hmm. and if if kansas has an off shooting night then they then villanova could win this game the, the key thing for me for Kansas is we've been saying Remy Martin determines the ceiling. And, and I don't think that that's false. I think he's an, I think he's, he's, but, he's the marinara sauce. Yeah. Right? right. Well, guess what? It's time to get the mozzarella sticks back out of the Fanta. Fanta. <laughs> you know what he is? You know what he is? Fanta. He's the gravy. I tried to explain to you what gravy sure. is last night. He yeah, doesn't right. get it. Terrence he's like, you mean the, he's like, you mean the stuff you put on potatoes? No. On biscuits. Terrence the stuff you put on biscuits. Yeah, we'll do a talk on that this week in New Orleans. We'll we'll break down different <laughs> sauces. That being said, hey guys, Ochai Baji, you got to bring it here in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. I, I and that's 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 a perfect segue. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Midwest. Uh, Kansas blew blew out Miami. They were they won by twenty six. They outscored them by thirty two points in the second half. Uh, they got by the Friars. My uh, my prediction of Providence getting to the Final Four and making uh, Jeff Goodman have to wear the Friar mascot oh, costume nice. did did not end up working out. We're just gonna have to uh, settle for you two idiots wearing hot dog costumes on Bourbon Street. Don't think Do I, I need to order about another it. one. Oh, I, got it. I actually went and found it. I actually went and found it. I have yeah. it. So if you want me to, <laughs> you want me to order another one on Amazon and have it overnighted, Phantom. We can do no. it down there. Or you just want to use mine after? Fanta's sitting here like, (laughs) no, I just want them to forget that this happened. (laughs) I'll wear that bastard on the plane. I wear my losses like a man. Do not wear that on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was sitting next to. You're not allowed to wear that on a a flight. Dude, I will ride first first coach all the way down to New Orleans in a hot dog suit. And I'll have them wondering, what kind of bachelor party is this dude going to? Wait a minute. First coach? (laughs) There is no such thing as first coach. It's first coach. Oh, I know what I said. First coach. First coach is first coach is back behind beside the bathrooms. That's first coach back beside the toilets. I'm riding first coach in a hot dog suit. They'll wonder what kind of Mardi Gras situation is this guy going to? Hot dog suit. I'm ready. Anyway, Oshag Baji was he had. 18 points, four assists, four steals, eight to 12 shooting, hit both of his threes. He finally fancied. He finally on Sunday got it going again. Yes, he did. He did get it going and he played much better in the second half and he was aggressive and, and getting after it. And I thought that he, for whatever reason, well, Providence did a nice job defensively on him, but, but I I think that just because Martin is is getting going here and, and playing to the level that he has been in this tournament shouldn't take away the fact that Ochai is still the centerpiece of this team, and it needs to be that way. Uh, but overarching thoughts on Kansas, guys. You know, you guys were talking about this on the show last night about about the FBI stuff with Kansas and the, you know the potential distractions and how this program's overcome that. The sense that I get at this point is Bill Self has seen so much throughout his tenure that it's almost as if his laid backness, his his casual being, allows his team to just play, mm-hmm. allows them to just play. 
I, I just think that Self's demeanor, and it, he's always been that way to a degree, but like I, I kind of got the sense when he sat down on the podium this week that he don't give a damn. Like, he doesn't give a damn what you think of him or what people have thought of him or what people think of his program. He knows he's got the winningest program in college basketball. I don't sense that. You know how we talk about pressures? Pressures of Duke yeah, in North yeah. Carolina? Like, I don't, get, I don't get that vibe at all with Kansas. I get that vibe of, we're really good. We know it. We're going to beat you. Uh, and we don't, we don't sense that amount of stress. Because I, 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 I just never sense that vibe this weekend, even though the magnifying glass was on them and the pressure was on them to get to the Final Four because you could argue that they had the easiest pathway to get there. But I, I think that this team just has a great demeanor about itself. And I like the way that they ride momentum into this Final Four. They're playing the best defense they have all season long. Yes, and, yes. And Martin, Martin has provided... Uh, a really nice spark, and they have enough other shot makers. They only went five for 14 against Miami from beyond the three-point arc, and they won the game by 26. You know why? Because their defense is creating easy looks on offense. But You, you, know, what's, you know what's funny about that, Fanta? I thought, I thought they came out really tight against Miami. Like the first half against Miami, it looked like they were – they they felt the weight of the moment and and Maybe. honestly like I I think that the elite eight probably there's more stress there and there's more pressure yeah. there than when you actually get to the final four it's like you're trying to get to the final four and once you get to the final four you're playing with house money and it felt like that's what Kansas uh, had on their shoulders in the in the first half of the game then you know in the, the start of the second half there were a couple turnovers they got a couple easy buckets Oshai got a couple uh, curls going to the rim where he finished. Um, they went on a run, they got up by 15 and then Miami was just like the, the wheels completely fell off. And, and I think they kind of realized it was done and Kansas was able to run away at the end of it, but it, it felt like they felt the pressure in, or it seemed to me like they felt the pressure in the moment in the first half. And then T.O., they, they, they turned it on. They ran away. We talked about yeah. this last night. Remy Martin is the guy that takes them from like this plateau that they're at to the next level. Right, he's the guy that gets you from that solid base that Oshai and Dave McCormick has. That's if Oshai is a constant. That's is if Oshai is a constant, and he mm-hmm. hasn't been a constant. Which this tournament has been a little bit shocking, guys. Like I thought he was always going to get eighteen to twenty-two, like something in that, and he hasn't done that the entire time. They needed uh, Remy badly in order to get the win in the Sweet Sixteen round. Here's. And I just put this together while you guys were talking, but defensively how good they were against Miami is going to help them against Villanova in the fact that like they had to guard Miami one-on-one. They proved they could do that in order to limit Villanova's offense. You have to limit yourself getting in scramble situations. And what does that mean? You have to guard them one-on-one more than anything else. You have to be able to guard Mm -hmm. one-on-one. If you're able to guard Villanova one-on-one, you're going to be able to limit rotations and things like that. If you look at some of Villanova's losses uh, towards the beginning of the season, UCLA could guard one-on-one with their size at the time. Obviously, Villanova has done better than UCLA up to this point. Baylor uh, could guard them one-on-one at the time. And then, you know, you get into Big East play, different things happen, yada, yada, yada. But if you can guard one-on-one defensively and create turnovers, you're, you're going to be able to limit a lot of what Villanova does. Uh, Colin Gillespie against Harris is going to be an interesting one. I think that's one to look out for. I bet they mix that. I bet they cross match that one with somebody else. Uh, but I, I thought Kansas, because of their defense, it was like a different kind of fire. Uh, as far as pressure is concerned, uh, I, I don't, I don't really know there. But I, at the same time, like that halftime speech must have been nuts because those guys just took off and they started to, they started getting out and running. And even McCormick was getting out and running. And Sam Wardenberg fouling out killed them. It was just yeah. a matter of they just couldn't get anything going off the dribble because Kansas could be so physical with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's another thing. You think that, that Brandon Slater will guard Jalen Wilson. I'm intrigued to see that play out if, if, mm. that's, if that's what occurs because I think, I think that that would be an interesting – or maybe so you, that's Samuel. But yeah, I was going to say, would you put – would you put Slater on I Wilson? Think, yeah, I'm considering Slater on Wilson. It might it might be Samuels though. Not not to say one, but God, if it's Slater, that Slater defensively is really really good. He's I mean Samuels is too, 
But but I think Slater laterally could be able to hang with Wilson. Either one of them could, but I'm interested to see what Jay does there. What does Jay do from a matchup standpoint there at the four? Because Wilson was terrific over the weekend. I mean, and, and, and he didn't so even shoot the ball. Samuel, who would you have Samuels on, Brown? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I like. I don't know how much I, I like, like that. that. One, I don't yeah, I mean, it's a weird matchup. It's a like they're just going to have to make do with Samuels. I, the the Jaylen good thing Wilson is, too, has he really shot the ball that well, Jermaine Samuels? No, he has, and he didn't shoot the ball well yesterday. But uh, I thought he played a big, big role in being able to beat. All right, so let me, yeah, let's let's get into a full preview of the final four here and kind of break it down. So let's start with that Kansas and Villanova matchup. I, I want to know, you know, Fancy, I'm assuming you think that the key the, the key individual matchup there is going to be whoever guard, like who you put Brandon Slater on. Because honestly, I think that in those three spots, the two, three, four, Kansas and Villanova both match up so well. To me, the key battle is going to end up being what you do um, what you do at the point. Who does who does Kansas put on Colin Gillespie? Are you going to trust Juan Harris there? He's a little small. Gillespie can overwhelm some of these smaller defenders. Are you going to put Remy Martin on him? I don't think that will work out well. So that to me, that's that's where the key matchup is. It's not the two, three, four spots. Because look, Caleb Daniels, Jermaine Samuels, Brandon Slater, those dudes are so old, strong, and tough. You could put them on anybody, two, three, four, and I, I would I would feel pretty good about that matchup. Yeah, Slater's got to play confidently on the offensive end of the floor. He mm-hmm, he's yeah. a little bit tight over the weekend, so that's one thing. I I do think that Daniel's scoring punch needs to be on point. Villanova is nine and two this year in games that he scores in double figures. They're nine and two. Now, typically that's come as a, as a punch off the bench, but it's got to translate here. He's got to be able to hit shots. He's going to get open looks. He will. Caleb Daniels will, will find himself open in this spot because Moore definitely does. But I, I do think that that's interesting, what you said about the point guard matchup is what do they do between DeWan Harris and then when they bring Martin off the bench? Because the fact is, Gillespie's going to post that if Villanova mm-hmm. wants, their, wants their way. They're going to post their guards, and then they're going to – what they do is Gillespie puts you to sleep. He'll have Harris or Martin exposed to the tough spot, and if Kansas brings any help, that's going to leave somebody open to hit a perimeter shot. That's what this game – potentially comes down to there is how they guard Gillespie, how much help they provide in those moments. And if it opens up shots, is Villanova hitting those shots? Yep. No, I, that's the big thing. Are they going to hit shots without Justin Moore? And whenever it gets stagnant and they can't hit shots, who are they going to go to to make some of those? Like Justin Moore was that springboard uh, whenever things were struggling. I That four matchup, it, it's – if once – at face value, when you just sit and look at it, you think, well, they match up pretty well. But then you start tinkering with it, and like you were doing, Fanta, like Jermaine Samuels, Jalen Wilson, like that, I, I think that could work because, like, sorry to get caught up, but Jalen Wilson hasn't shot the ball great. So yeah. you, can, you can play on the inside a little bit. You don't have to play over top of those screens. Like, you can save yourself a little bit. The The – most intriguing thing is the one in the five position, which I seem like I'm coming back to uh, with Kansas or basically any team in the country coming into this tournament, the one in the five position, how important those two are, because yeah. there's so few guys that are that big and that strong uh, the, to play the five position. And David McCormick is a guy that has that ability. It's just what, which version of that are you going to get? The one that you've got 30% of the year where he's been pretty good or that 70% of the year where it's like he's non-existent. I think Eric Dis- Dixon is so tough. I love that kid. I know he's caught flack, and everybody's like, well, he's a four. He's only six, eight. That dude is why He's a walking refrigerator. <laughs> like, for, for people who haven't seen this dude, he is he's huge. He's got the widest hips ever. And, like, he's so strong. And, you know, he, you, where he's you know what he's so tall, good at? You know what he's, he's so a, good at? Yeah. They, those guys are just so good at just sitting there, putting their chest out, letting you hit them as hard as you can in the chest and not moving. It's unbelievable. Like Samuels does it too. He's a- Caleb Daniels does it too. Like you, they just stand there and you cannot move. You can hit him with a fucking Mack truck and those guys are not going anywhere. He's a vending machine with legs. Like that guy, <laughs> like he's so strong. Like, and people were like, and, and I think that's going to be the interesting one because Bill Self can get those guys post touches, but Eric Dixon never stops working. 
never stops working. I, the more I think about it, the more I want to say, hey, guys, I know Justin Moore's out. Villanova's going to win this game. I'm so close to saying that because, like, it's they still match up well. They're still going to play slow offensively, which will give them a breather to guard on the other end. And who's going to hit shots? If Villanova hits shots, they can still very they can still very much win this game. Justin Moore's a huge loss, but Villanova can still very much win this game. Yeah, I don't know if I'm What's ready the to spread. Do we have the spread? Four and a half. Uh, Bet Rivers is four and a half. And, and what I was about to say is, I don't I don't know if I'm ready to go all in on Villanova winning this game, but I will absolutely. I'm fully take- making this up as I'm going along right now. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, everything you guys are saying, I'm internalizing. It's like a lazy Susan. It'll eventually catch up, and then it'll get come out of my mouth. But, like, I, Villanova, man, they just they just work. They just I, work. I, I think Kansas probably ends up winning, but I will be on – my, my money will be invested on Villanova plus four and a half um, to cover. Because, look, it's, it's going to be in the 50s. It's going to be low scoring. Villanova's going to – they're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're not going to give up offensive rebounds. You're not going to get a ton of layups. You're going to have a nightmare trying to run offense, and they're going to do just enough to keep it close. I think it, – honestly, what it's going to come down to is whether or not it's close enough that uh, it just ha, like has to get fouled down the stretch, I think is what it's going to end up being. But um, All right, uh, uh, Fanta, give me your, uh, your official prediction on, on, this, uh, on that side of the Final Four. You got to lock it in. Yeah, officially, I'll go with Kansas in this game. I just think that they have more scoring prowess as the game goes on. And if they can find a way in a four-minute segment to get some sort of burst offensively that's created by their defense. Here's the thing. But they don't turn, but Villanova doesn't turn the ball over. They Sorry don't, to interrupt you. They like, don't that's the thing. The like, they don't you're not getting easy ball. looks. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think at some point – Without more, I, I think that Kansas can do some things defensively that leave Villanova in a tougher position unless Slater turns it on offensively. If Slater gets going, like that's the thing. When you lose someone, it's not about Daniels increasing his, his scoring. Daniels is what he is. Mm-hmm. Slater needs to be the guy that in the Big East tournament was willing Villanova at times towards a tournament title that week at the Garden. He's got to step it up offensively. But I I like Kansas because I think that Martin really gives them a different layer in this matchup. And if Harris can play just to his strengths, if Agbaji is the best of the wings, Kansas should find a way to win this game, but make no mistake about it. It's going to be a ball game. It'll be tight, but I'm going to give the, the slight edge to Kansas and Justin Moore going down does hurt Villanova in this matchup. I'm going with the Jayhawks. Yeah. I think I'd take Kansas to win too, but I'll, yeah, I'll be on, I'm I'll be on it. Villanova to cover. What do you got T.O.? I'm with it. I'm with it. Remy Martin being an explosive punch off the bench. Like he provides a level of speed that without, I'm not sure even with Justin Moore, they have, they have that ability to match his speed just with the basketball. Uh, if he's able to give him some scoring punch whenever things stagnate and they will, because, it, because Villanova plays so slow, it'll stagnate at times, but I think Kansas ends up winning. And I think Remy gets 12 to 12 to 16 points. If he explodes for more than that, I think he could be double figures just because I think Justin Moore means so much, but we'll see how that proceeds. But I think Kansas wins. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to the other game in uh, in the Final Four. It's, uh, you know, it's, I don't, Duke, North Carolina, they played a bunch. We've seen this matchup play out before. You know, I know they've never played in the tournament, but it's, it, are, are we really going to be that excited about this rivalry, about the potential for, hell uh, yeah, North, but potential for North Carolina to once again play the spoiler? Is it really that big of a deal, Fanta? Do you really care all that much about Duke, North Carolina? Are you kidding me? I am beyond pumped for this matchup. I cannot wait for this showdown. Somebody tweeted yesterday, and I got into a a bit of an argument with them, that this is a ZZZZZ Final Four, and it reminds me of the college football playoff. Get out of here with that garbage. That's not what this is. We've had recent national champions like Virginia, Baylor, Villanova, others. Stop it. Stop it right now. This you want to know why that's so dumb? Here's why that's so dumb. In order to get to this point, right, we had to have North Carolina beat 
St. Peter's. We had to have Kansas beat Miami. We had Providence in the mix for potentially winning this. We had Houston in the mix for potentially winning this. Arkansas and Texas Tech were in the Sweet 16, right? Let's, let's, that, you look those hard... people in the eye and you say, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. This was you probably... shut your mouth when you're talking to us. You shut your mouth when you're talking to us. This Fanta. was the best tournament. This was the best tournament in forever. It was yeah, unbelievable. And, and it's a great final four for the sport. It's a fitting final four. After what we went through last year in Indianapolis, where it didn't feel normal at all. And, and I had tip to Baylor, but it didn't feel right. And the year before, you didn't even have it. This is the final four that college basketball needed. And it's going to I would have been okay. I would have been okay, Fanta, if you would have walked straight up to that guy who said that and just straight up Will Smith him. Straight up Will Smith him <laughs> and just let him have it. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I wasn't going to. I was it. waiting for that reference all show. I was right. waiting for Keep it. I wanted to my teams out mouth. <laughs> yeah. Keep my team's name out of your mouth. Exactly. Uh, I think this is going to be super exciting. And you got Carolina, who is red hot, scalding hot. I mean, they're they're just playing connected basketball. And a Duke team that has matured, a Duke team that's playing better basketball than they were at Cameron Indoor a a few weeks back. And could that have been the best medicine for this Duke team to handle a stage like that to that degree? You're right, Terrence there's going to be actually less buzz or less pressure on them in this game. They've gotten to the final four. Once you're in the final four, your season is an accomplishment. It mm-hmm. is. For the, any of these four teams, if they bow out in the final four on Saturday, you can't look at them and say, what a failure. So for Duke, this is a situation where they've made it down to NOLA. The pressure to me is much more off these guys than it was I am fascinated here to see what the third matchup between these two teams brings just because of the fact that both backcourts are in such great synergy and they're mm-hmm. playing so well. I think it's going to be scoring. I think there's going to be big shot making along the way. Which team rises up defensively and stays more connected on that end of the floor? And guys, in the last two, three minutes, if it's close, who is going to execute? Duke has been executing at such a high level that I give the edge to Duke. But can Carolina's defense, which has done a total 180 from what it was earlier in the season, can the Tar Heels step up, get stops, and put it together? I'm fascinated by this showdown. I think it's going to be as advertised, and I think it's, it's one of, if not the biggest national semifinals we've ever seen in college hoops. T.O., what's awesome the key matchup? What's the, what's the key matchup here for you? Guys, I think, like, the R.J. Davis-Jeremy Roach matchup is going to be awesome. I think the Armando Baycott-Mark Williams means a ton. I think all, the real thing that's going to come down to is which Caleb Love are we going to get. That's, that's what it's going to come down to because he's been such a high or low player. I actually think looking back at the St. Peter's game, it, it hurt Carolina to play St. Peter's because it allowed Caleb Love to go back to doing two of 10 from three Caleb Love and take some of these bad shots to get out of rhythm. Like these guys were functioning at a high level because they were playing high level competition. And then they moved to St. Peter's and credit to St. Peter's not taking anything away from St. Peter's, but they ran out of juice and the talent discrepancy was really evident. And then it allowed North Carolina to slip back into some old habits. But I think Caleb Love, he has to be great in order for Carolina to compete. I still don't think it's going to be enough. I think Duke wins. Uh, and it, it could get – it's not going to get ugly, but I, I think it could be one of those games where we're watching. There's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of anticipation. And then Duke just kind of has control the entire time. And it ends up being 10 points, but Duke just kind of wins, and everybody kind of knew it was going to win, and they never really lost any kind of uh, juice when it comes towards the end of the game. So give me Duke. They've just been too dominant too dominant yeah i think caleb love is the x factor like if you same thing with remy martin right like if you get great caleb love that turns north carolina into a different team that than bad caleb love would be but to me i, I mentioned it earlier it's going to be paolo bancaro and whether or not brady manic can slow him down you know i'm yeah. not super concerned about foul trouble with the big guys um i think that the the 
the perimeters kind of are a wash, right? Like Leaky Black is uh, going to do a really good job on Wendell Moore. Leaky Black can really, really guard. And until you see him in person, you don't really realize how big that dude is. He's like 6'8 yeah. in a wing with a long wingspan. I think he's going to do a good job on Wendell Moore. Uh, Trevor Keels, uh, AJ Griffin, I think he's going to be, um, whether or not he's making shots is going to matter. But if Brady Manick can't stop Paolo, and Paolo goes for like 25, 10, and four assists, which he's very capable of doing, I yep. don't see how North Carolina can can overcome that. Yeah. Nope. 100% Fanta. agree. Yeah, Duke's got the talent edge in this one. It, it's it's not some huge one, uh, but I think Duke's out for revenge too. It's hard to beat this Duke team consecutive times, and this is a totally different stage. Oh, they, they want it. To just, yeah, to, to, to your point there, Fanta, I just want to make sure that we say this. Um, in the ACC tournament, right, someone asked Paolo Bancaro if he wanted to play North Carolina. And he was basically like, yes, we want, we want to get back at those guys. Uh, after, awesome. after they beat Arkansas in the Elite Eight, someone basically someone asked him, uh, who do you want to see in the Final Four? And Paolo was like, uh-uh, you're not getting me on this one. I'm not answering that question. So he, uh, I think it's very clear that they want North Carolina. They want another chance at them, and they want to be able to end their season the right way. One thing I do yeah. want to say, guys, real quick. Hubert Davis, one of the nice – well, Hubie Davis, one of the nicest guys in the sport. Uh, his moment when he was in tears um, during the post-game press conference was was awesome. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful moment. One of the things that we only see in college basketball. Uh, he is the first player, or the first, the first person to go from being a player to a coach for the same program in the Final Four since Dick Harp did it with Kansas in 1940 and 1957. He's also the first guy, Fanta, to go uh, to, to take a team in his first year as a head coach and get them to the final four since Bill Guthridge replaced uh, Dean Smith in 1998. How about that? How about that synergy? Great story. And, and credit to Hubert because he took a lot of heat earlier this season. Uh, unfair. North Carolina is obviously a job with high standards, but some people thought that maybe this would be a flame out and would end early. Not at all. Good for Hubert Davis. He kept this group together. This group stayed together. You could tell this group plays for him. They've seen mm-hmm. the stuff. They've seen the narratives. They understand what's at stake. And I'm I'm so uh, I'm blown away by the way Carolina has put this this stretch together here. They're just playing with a confidence about them. They are so defensively connected. You know, we often talk about defense, and coaches talk about it all the time, and we say, "What clicked defensively for you?" And over half the time, guess what the coach says? He says, our will, our want to. Mm-hmm. Defenses want to. You got to want it. You got to get in that stance and say, I am not letting you score on me. Whatever it was, North Carolina in November and December was atrocious on the defensive end of the floor. You'd watch them and you'd say, what on earth are they doing defensively? They could not, they could not be defending less. This team has taken that on, and they're proving people wrong here since with the level that they have defended at. And frankly, we should not have put the ACC down at the level that we put other leagues down. That was unfair. It was wrong to do. The ACC had a down year by their standards. The tournament has a variance effect that allows some teams to emerge. But in this case, North Carolina shouldn't be, shouldn't have been packaged in the in the discussion that they were packaged in. Not about the bubble and their resume, about who they actually were. Because what they have done here over the last couple of weeks is show that on paper talent, you got to have dudes to win. Coaches are going to say it all this week in New Orleans. You got to have talent. Then you put the pieces together. What's happened is, you're right. The Dawson Garcia departure allowed Brady Manning to feel comfortable because if Brady Manning's having an off game, it's not like Hubert Davis is looking down the bench and saying, I've got yeah. this guy, go in. Break down. Huge part. Huge part. Yeah, huge part. Sorry to interrupt you, fans. No, like, that's one of the biggest, like, compliments you can give Hubert, too. And by the way, he wasn't, like, just single-tier crime. Like, my man Hubert was full, full-on full ugly face crying, like, drooling a little <laughs> bit, like, multiple tears, couldn't talk, a little choked up, a lot of slobber. Good for him. Happy for him, happy for his players. But he, he stuck with them when they were getting stomped by 20 earlier in the season, we were hard on Carolina. And I'll argue your point a little bit, being an ACC guy, 
fantastic. I'll argue your point. Like the ACC deserved it. That pre-conference was bad. Like let's let's call it what it is. It, it was bad, but there was also a time for this conference where relied a lot on transfers, relies a lot on young players. And you look at the Big Ten, you look at the Big Twelve. Those are a lot of schools that have older older players playing for their squads who have been in certain systems for a long time. ACC doesn't ha- didn't have that luxury this year. Uh, so I think that's a big part of it, but good for Hubert. Uh, I think it's awesome uh, what he's been able to do. Uh, and guys, nobody's been harder on Hubert than me. And I've been hard on Carolina's fan base because I've never seen the Dean Dome at about 70, 60 or 70% capacity. Never. So like for that to happen and for him just to stick with guys and not look down the bench and look to sub somebody in, like that means a lot. Like I'll, it's, it's really hard as a player and I'll never forget this. Like, my freshman year, if I miss two shots in a row, I'm looking over at the bench. Like his guys didn't have to do that. And that was a big, that was a big, you know, confidence boost for those guys, especially somebody like a Brady Manic, like you guys have said, had to step into a bigger role as the season went on. And then he's willing to keep firing and Caleb loves willing to keep firing. Of course he wasn't going to stop firing anyway, but you get what I'm saying. Like there's no threat of being taken out. All right. So let me, let me ask you guys this and then we can get our official final four predictions in. Which storyline is going to become the most annoying for all of us in New Orleans by the time the games tip off on Saturday? Is it going to be Kansas overcoming the uh, the obstacles provided by the FBI investigation into college yeah. basketball? Is it Villanova? Are they a blue blood or not? Is it North Carolina, Hubert Davis, first time getting to the Final Four? Or is it Coach K's last dance which which one is going to be the one where you're like, oh my God, I cannot if someone else asks one more question about this, I'm going to snap because for me, I'll be honest, it's probably going to be all of them. <laughs> the, the FBI thing for me. The, yeah, yeah. The, the Villanova being the Blue Bloods, a no-brainer. They're a Blue Blood. Everybody, you, you shut your mouth. Who, who, whoever says that they're not a Blue Blood, just stop. Uh, who are the other? The FBI one to me is just going to be like, God, let's just focus on the game. Let us, let us live in the game for another week. And then we can that. save all that. Cr- we can save all that crap for the off season, but let's live in the game for where we are right now and enjoy the game. This is for basketball. Yes. This is basketball. Let- Will Wade was suspended <laughs> a couple years ago and LSU made the sweet 16. Like this is hoops. These guys are just hooping and Bill Self is just coaching. Watch Bill this week. He's what is this? Down- what is this Fanta? What? What is this? This is hoops. This is basketball with the gagoots. Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap that people were talking about this as a a distraction. It's not a distraction at all. Watch Bill Self sit down the dais this week, and you'll quickly learn he don't give a damn what what people think about him or what people are investigating. (laughs) He's, He's one of the winningest coaches in the sport. Here's the thing. If somebody says this week that Villanova is not a blue blood, I will walk off that set and go straight to the bar and drink a shot at Gordon Beers. So I'm telling you right now, I do not want what. You know how many times we're going to say Villanova is not a blue blood now? Do not. (laughs) (laughs) Fanta will not remember the end of any show that he does with me. Oh God! I'm I'm telling you right now, it it is ridiculous to me that that uh, that people are like, oh, you know, they just don't carry the same amount. Look, they, nobody's won more than they than they have here over the last what is it nine years now? I mean, we're talking about a decade that they've essentially, if they make the national title game on Monday, if they somehow won this championship, which which they have a chance, I don't think it's going to happen, but. If you win three out of six, think about think about that for a moment. That's that's insanity. That is insanity when you think about all the turnover in the sport and all the transfer portal stuff. The fact is, Jay Wright's taking on one transfer. His name was Joe Cremo, and it didn't even work out. They are the anti. Caleb like, Daniels is a transfer. Yeah, but but like immediate immediate the grad transfer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a little di- exactly, a little different here with like with with grad transfers versus the classic. Oh, he played a year, and now Jay's going to take him on. Like Jay, Jay has prided himself on the three and four year talent. He's prided himself on redshirting kids. He he redshirts players. He redshirted mm-hmm. Eric Dick, and it worked. So uh, if people are saying that they're not a blue blood, like come on, man, get your head out of the gutter. Yeah. All right, give me your official predictions. Who wins the national title? To. 
Duke over Carolina, Kansas over Nova. Duke wins it. Fanta? Uh, Duke over Carolina, Kansas over Nova. Kansas wins it. Kansas wins it. Wow. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I agree with Tio. I think Duke is going to gonna win by 10 over North Carolina. I think uh, Kansas wins a nail-biter over Villanova. Um, and then I have Duke cutting down the nets uh, in New Orleans, winning the national title. I mean, it, it's destiny at this point. It's a foregone conclusion. The, the, stars, the stars have aligned, and Coach K is going to win his sixth national title uh, in his final season as a head coach. But listen, the next time that you hear from us, we are going to know whether or not Duke actually is a national champion. Uh, make sure that you follow along on the field of 68. We are going to be down in New Orleans doing live shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday night from uh, Gordon Beers, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday afternoon. If you are down there in New Orleans, make sure you come by and you say hello. We will have pregame and postgame shows on Saturday and Monday of the national title game. Gentlemen, I'm looking forward to it. Two days, two days, and we're in New Orleans. Two days, and I can get out of this 30 degree weather and go to New Orleans where it is 80 degrees today. It's 80 degrees down there, a 50 degree difference. I get to pack shorts. I cannot wait. <laughs> I can't wait either. I cannot wait for all of Bourbon Street to see these beautiful lights. <laughs> <laughs>